Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves. Do you want to know how to better study God's Word? Then participate in one of our free online workshops or join one of our online Bible studies. There's tons of times and options to choose from. Head to our website to register now at www.preceptministries.ca. On our website, you can also get connected to our social media pages and join our email list to stay updated on the many things God is doing through Preset Ministries. We want to hear from you. If you have been impacted by these podcasts, then we want to know. Email us your testimonies to info at preceptministries.ca. We can't wait to hear about how God is working in your life. Now, stay tuned for Unlocking the Truth, a study on the book of 2 Peter. Hello everyone, it's Mark Sheldrake here, another episode of Unlocking the Truth podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Precept Ministries Canada. So excited that you are joining us. Hopefully, whether it be through the app or in our on our website, just glad you are uh, participating with us. Thank you so much for the continued encouragement that comes through on a bi-weekly basis when we launch this podcast. Thanks for listening. Appreciate that. And I hope and pray that you're studying along with us. And I uh, want to encourage you, visit preceptministries.ca. Check out what's going on in the ministry. Uh, we're so thankful for the way that God has worked and provided for us through uh, 2020. Looking forward to how God is going to work in 2021. Uh, we are the folks that you will find out in the world of Google who uh, hold the Bible in high esteem. We want people to uh, truly study God's Word. We want people to engage in relationship with God through knowing His Word. Uh, We teach people how to interact with God's Word using the inductive Bible study method. This right here, uh, this week's podcast is all focused on the Word of God as usual, but more importantly, uh, just to create and build some foundations uh, in the Word of God for uh, what we're um, walking through in in 2 Peter. Let me pray, and then we're going to dig right into this. Father, we do thank you for uh, the opportunity that we have to use uh, this technology, to uh, use the tool of inductive Bible study to walk through the Scriptures, to observe, to interpret, and to apply the text. We pray that Uh, Each and every episode that heads out on the airways that uh, you are at work, Lord, that you are the one who is being glorified in what is happening in the lives of people. We thank you for the testimonies that have come in through this uh, little little ministry in the internet world. We pray that uh, people will be encouraged and be blessed and also uh, convicted in the ways that they should Uh, live their life according to what your word says. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here we are. uh, The last episode, uh, we walked through the beginning uh, chapter, uh, chapter one, and uh, a number of verses, and we looked at these qualities of Christ. And uh, I had more emails come back to me um, after that episode than I've had in a, in a long time. Now, we still get a lot of emails. We still get a lot of encouragement. I do appreciate it. I really do because, you know, 
when we're when we're recording this, I'm looking at a brick wall, and uh, I can't see how uh, you're engaging with it. It's a lot like uh, speaking in churches where you have the masks. You you can't see facial expressions or or how the Lord is working in this. It's definitely not about you know uh, building me up in any way, but it's about what God is doing uh, in and through you as you interrogate the scriptures. Uh, this week, uh, I've just been challenged a, a couple things before we dig into the text. Uh, in my personal devotion life, and being, being a little transparent with you, I am working through some uh, materials. I've told you that uh, in this podcast, I've got this goal of uh, reading a book a week for the entire year. I read uh, a book last week. And it was by Joel Rosenberg called The Auschwitz Escape. If you could ever get your hand on The Auschwitz Escape. It's a fiction, but based on his history. And my goodness, what uh, the Jews were going through in the midst of the time of Hitler. I've been to Yad Vashem. I have seen uh, all of that history. But to just watch this played out in these characters and you're like living on the edge with it. But I'm also in my devotional life. What I'm doing is I'm working through this book called uh, Lord, I Want to Know You. I've read through it quickly before. I've taught some workshops on it, but I'm slowly, methodically walking through that study. Uh, and you can find that on our website, 15 minutes a day, uh, just really pondering uh, the names of God. And uh, this past uh, yesterday uh, came through the section of Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, and uh, just again sparked my my desire to to see God heal our land, not the physical land, so to speak, but the the land, the people, and and to see God's word just. Uh, totally transform the lives of people in this country and and to know what the world would look like, what Canada would look like, what America would look like if if everything was built on the foundation of God's word and everybody was looking through their gospel goggles. I mean, that's what my prayer has been in, in looking at Jehovah Rapha. Yes, uh, we see throughout Scripture that God physically heals, but what we really need as a country, we need we need spiritual healing. We need to really see God do an amazing work. And and here's where we kick into this whole week's podcast. All right, I firmly believe, and this is not an unknown. This is not something that you're going to. Um, go, oh yeah, like the light bulb's going to go on. Well, no. The reality is that our relationship to God's word so propels the path that we walk, right? So if we are individuals who uh, kind of look into God's word maybe once a week on a Sunday and then we don't look at it anymore, we are just going to probably follow after the paths of our own desires, our own flesh, 
if we had the relationship that we have, like like God was telling Joshua, you know, never let it depart from your lips. Meditate it on it day and night. That if if we were just fully immersed in God's word, not for the purposes of straight up knowledge, but for the purposes of straight up transformation, allowing the Holy Spirit to to bring the words of these pages off the page, that they come alive, that they pierce our hearts, they convict us of our sin, and we want to be different, uh, so the way we walk would be different. If you want to know more about that, go back and look at our, our Colossians podcast. But we there is a direct relationship between uh, the Word of God and our relationship to it in the way that we see the culture around us. The, the culture around us does not hold the weight of God's word that it once did. And so if you, you know, if you're from the 50s and the 60s uh, and you saw the, the family units then, how they shared the word of God together, they, they read the word of God together, that, that's not the same. It's uh, people bond in the family over m- many different things and one of them is not God's word. And so if God's word was at the center of our understanding and our relationship with God, because he speaks through his word, as we'll see in just a few moments, then we would be hearing the very voice of God, and the very voice of God would telling, uh, be telling us how we live. The problem is that in, in the world we live in, that there's not many Bibles open, and therefore... Uh, people creating their own truth, all right? It, that's a hard statement to make, but it's a true statement. And so we're, we're, we're walking along that path. The, the uh, Canadian Bible League did a survey that uh, one in eight houses has up to eight Bibles in their house and uh, that are read seldom or never, all right? That's, that's crazy. There's, the Bible is readily available, but... One, I think our understanding of how important God's word is versus maybe experience or feeling seems to be at a higher priority in some cases, but we really need to get back to the heart of God's word. Now, you might be saying to yourself, well, why, why tell, tell me this as I'm a precept student? Well, maybe there's people on here that are not precept students that are listening to this because at the center of everything we do should be God's word. Our relationship and our understanding of God's word should take a very high priority over anything else that we uh, have within the Christian life. And that's going to bring us right into Second Peter. And this week, as we walk through this, we're going to be looking at the doctrine of the word of God. We're going to be clearly looking at what is this Bible that we have And why is it so important that we are not just reading it, all right? More importantly, that we are studying it and that we are observing it, we are interpreting it, and we are applying it. Why is it so important, all right? So here we go. Are you ready? Let me uh, give you a couple of facts. If you have the opportunity, if you ever get the chance Visit our website and look for the, wor- the uh, training workshop or seminar that we have called How the Bible Fits Together. It'll be so encouraging for you. 
you'll be blessed by that training. I promise you, I've taught it a number of times. I love teaching it, but more importantly, uh, it is great to get a good understanding of the Bible. All right, so first and foremost, what is this book? What is this book that we have? Well, first, this book is God's word to man, all right? So God gave us his word uh, through the 66 books of the Bible, all right? So now you're thinking, okay, I get this. I know all this. Yes, you do. You know it. That's great. 66 books of the Bible. There's more than 40 authors who participated in the writing of this book, and it covers between 1,400 to 1,800 years, all right? So, uh, in this book, we have the very voice of God. Now, why is it so important? Because it's the very voice of God's God. How many people in the world are looking for opportunities to hear the voice of God, and they're never opening the pages of the Bible? I want to know God's will for my life. I want to know what God wants for me. But you don't look in the scriptures. And so uh, if any of you, I know some of you emailed me and read uh, the book uh, by Alyssa Childers called Another Gospel or Saving Christianity was the other one I recommended by uh, Michael Youssef. In both of them, both those books uh, break down the importance of understanding the doctrine of God, understanding what is it that we are looking at? Because when we have false teachers and we have false doctrines in the world, if we're not on solid ground that is of that of being that I know that this is God's word, that this is God's voice in these 66 pages, we begin to listen to all the truths that are coming in around us and then we look at things in God's word and we say, does it really say that? Or does it really mean that? Which is very interesting because I believe in the introduction week of this podcast, I talked about that. How all the way back to Genesis, where Satan comes alongside Eve, and he just basically says, let me have a conversation with you about God's word. Did God really say that? And you see, if, you don't, if you're not grounded in God's word, if you're not really having that as the foundation of your life, that you have a hunger to want to study it. When somebody comes along and says, let me have a conversation with you, did God really say that? And you don't know what God has said. You are wide open to allowing somebody to then not only interpret the scripture that they want to interpret it that way, but also present it in such a way that it feels as though it is right. Uh, Just a heads up. 2021. This is the reality of where we live today. Does God's word really say that regarding gender? Does God's word really say that regarding marriage? I had somebody send me a message that said, you know, you're beating a dead horse when it comes to the discussion of marriage and what the sanctity of marriage is. Does God's word really say that? Do I believe that that is the truth? I absolutely believe and stand on the word of God. I will have conversations left and right about what the truth of God's word says against the moral truth of the world and what people feel or interpret or interpret it wrong. 
And so now we get to understanding this is God's word. All right. And so there's some 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 themes that I want to walk through in the scriptures here. And and the first thing that you need to know about God's word, one, it's God's very voice. In 66 books of the Bible, he inspired 40 authors or God breathed the word. And we'll look at that in a minute. He breathed the word into these authors. They wrote down what God wanted them to write down. And it happened between over 1,400 to 1,800 years. The other thing that you need to know about the scripture, the Bible, it's inerrant. All right, what do I mean by inerrant? It means that it is without error. All right, so I've got uh, a couple of quotes that I want to read to you. I, I normally don't bring out quotes from other people, but they, they explain it well. All right, inerrancy. It means without error, mistake, or contradiction, or falsehood. It means that it's true, it's reliable, it's trustworthy, it's accurate, and it's infallible. To say that the Bible is inerrant, means that it is absolutely true and trustworthy in everything that it asserts. It is totally without error. All right, so uh, uh, Pastor James uh, Cottrell uh, said that. Now listen to uh, what Norman Geisler uh, said. He wrote this fantastic book, and if you you wanted a a great book but a dry book to read, uh, pick up Norman Geisler's uh, book on inerrancy. It's a great book, but I'm telling you, uh, it's a it's a slog to get through it. All right, it's it, it's not going to take you a couple days. It's not one of those you want to read in a week. All right, it's a heavy book, but this is what he says regarding the inerrancy of Scripture. He says, "I confess to you your charity that I have learned to yield uh, to this respect and honor only to the canono- canonical books." of scripture. Of these alone do I most firmly believe that the authors were completely free from error. And if these writings, uh, I am perplexed by anything which appears to me opposed to the truth, I do not hesitate to suppose that either the manuscript is faulty or the translator has not caught the meaning of what was said, or I myself has failed to understand it. Do you see what's happening? He's telling you that the word of God is without error, but it's man's approach and work in the word of God that can create error. All right, so God's word is without error. Now, this gives brings me to uh, a couple of verses. All right, so first, let's look at Second uh, Timothy chapter three, uh, verse sixteen. So, chapter Second uh, Timothy, uh, chapter three, verses. Well, we'll look at um, 16 and uh, 17, okay? So here's what uh, Paul says to Timothy. And this, I've already alluded to this verse once, all right? He says, all scripture is inspired by God. Uh, the Greek word inspired, theonoustos, and it means that it's God-breathed, all right? So the origin of scripture, where did it come from? It came from God. God breathed it. And this is what it can do. God's word was inspired by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. What's the purpose of the Bible? It's God's word for you. And what do you get out of it? How to live and work in the glory of God. 
All right, so that's what uh, we've got there. Now, here's a couple other ones, just looking at inerrancy of Scripture. All right, so we're going to keep working towards the shorter T's. All right, we're going to look at Titus now. So it's just one, it's just one uh, book over to the right from 2 Timothy. So Timothy, uh, Titus chapter 1, verse 2. So let me just start at verse 1. Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. For those of the faith chosen of God and the knowledge of the truth, which is according to godliness, in the hope of eternal life. Now listen to what Paul says regarding God. Uh, in which God, who cannot lie, promised long ago, long ages ago. Well, you simply put a triangle over the word God and you look and you say, what do I learn about, about God in that list? And you see that God cannot lie. All right, so if, if the word of God is God-breathed or inspired by God, and it's God's words given on paper, and Titus tells us that God cannot lie, we know that the, everything in the scripture is inerrant. It's without error. Why? Because God is not, doesn't have error. He doesn't lie. Hebrews chapter 6, uh, verse 18. So in Hebrews chapter 6, uh, let's look there, okay? Hebrews 6, 18 says... Uh, I'll say, I'll start at 17. So what he says is, in the same way, God desiring even more to show the heirs of the promise, the unchangeableness of his purpose, interposed with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things, which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. All right, so now let me just put this into an easy understanding of where we are. Okay, ready? God cannot lie, therefore God's word is truth. So if anybody comes up to you and they ask you and they sit with you and they say, hey, can we have a conversation about this verse? Did God really say that? Your answer, if you stand on the foundation of God, in his word, and you believe that God, this is God's word, God breathed, God inspired, that God cannot lie, your response is simply this, yes, the Bible says it, therefore it's true. Conversation over. We're not going to have any more debate about this. That's what it says. You know, if we look and say, well, does the Bible really say, does it, does it really say that marriage is just between a man and a woman? The answer, yes, yes it does. Why? Because it says it in God's word. Well, I know it says it there. God doesn't lie. God's without error. The truth is there. That's it. Conversation over. Right? right. Is this really sin? Is this really a sin? Yes, God says it's true. This is the sin. It's right there in the scriptures. You can name the, the address, the chapter, and the verse, and who wrote it, and you can say it says it right there. God doesn't lie. Therefore, this is a sin. All right. What about what about good people? Do good people, people who 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 do good deeds in the world, do do they do they get to go to heaven when they die? Good people go to heaven when they die, right? Well, this is what God's word says. God says no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. So, what do you go back? This is God's word. The only entrance into the kingdom of God is through Jesus Christ. That's it. There's no other way. Why? Because God does not lie. 
God tells the truth. He's given it for us in plain sight. So God is without error. He doesn't lie. He's laid out the truth for us in these 66 books of the Bible. Our job is to take those scriptures and put them into our hearts, allow them to transform our lives, and live by this truth, not by the truth of the world. All right, so are, are you following along with me in the path here? It's God's word. God breathed it. God inspired it. It's without error. All right, so you might say to me, um, but there are errors in the scriptures. All right, so I'm going to describe something to you, and if you, if you wanted to write this down, you could, but I want to give you a picture of what might be an error in the scriptures. Oh, Mark, you're contradicting yourself now because you just said there's no errors in the scripture, but there are, all right? So what they are, are their translation errors. There are errors that have occurred or omissions that have occurred in certain manuscripts. If you want more detail on all of this, we have some great pamphlets on our website that will help you read how the Bible was put together and why each book was put into the canon, all right? You can grab that off our website. I'm not going into it in depth here, all right? But there are, if you go across, you might find some minor things where so there's certain verses that are not found in one version or there's brackets and additions. And what you've got here is if you were to write out this, the words, welcome to precept ministries in Canada, okay? Think about that. You write that out, Precept Ministries in Canada, but instead of writing the first S in ministries, you put a dollar sign. And you held that sign up, and you asked somebody to read it, and you said to them, read this for me. That individual will still be able to read through that sign that you've written, Welcome to Precept Ministries, even though the dollar sign is there in place of the first S. It will still you'll still be able to understand what the major part of that sign that I've written says. Welcome to Precept Ministries. This is the same type of little errors that we might find within the scripture from a translational point of view. When, when these were written, things were omitted, not on purpose, but by mistake. These are the errors I'm talking about. But none of these errors that we find in our translations affect any of the major doctrines of Scripture. So none of these things affect the major doctrines in Scripture. So the gospel message that we see within the Scriptures is the gospel message that would have been handed down uh, verbally to each and every person. So there's nothing in there as far as error-wise that affects a major doctrine. That's huge. That's huge to know that we can go back to God's word and we can count on God's word. All right, so here, here's where we're coming. We're coming to this. Now, we've got here in uh, a few things that I want to look at just before uh, we start to come to the end of this, all right? So I promise we're going to get back into 1 Peter, but we're setting the stage for where we're at, all right? So here, here's the thing. I'm going to rhyme off a number of cross-references to you. If you have to hit pause on this, you hit pause because we're not going through the cross-references one by one, but you have the opportunity to, to go back and write them down and look them up for yourself. This is very good study of Scripture. 
All right, so what did Jesus say about the Bible? What did Jesus say about the scriptures? All right, so first and foremost, uh, Jesus affirmed the scriptures define authority. All right, that's number one. He, he affirmed the scripture's divine authority. Matthew chapter 4, verses 4, 7, and 10, all will show us that Jesus affirmed the deity of scripture. All right, what else did Jesus view about scripture? Well, he affirmed its imperishability. All right, so Jesus affirmed the, the scripture's um, imperishability. Matthew chapter 5 Verses 17 and 18. Uh, what, else, what else do we learn? Jesus asserted its infallibility or unbreakability. And we see that in John chapter 10, verse 35. All right? So it's unbreakability. Uh, now, what else? Jesus declared its ultimate supremacy. All right, so Jesus declared uh, the scripture's ultimate supremacy, and you can look that up in Matthew chapter 15, verses 3 and verse 6. All right, we've got a bunch more. Hang in there, folks. We're not done yet. All right, so Jesus affirmed. Now, you're going to hear this word come up because we, we've already talked about this. Jesus affirmed the scripture's factual inerrancy that it's without error. All right, so Matthew chapter 22, verse 29, and John chapter 17, verse 17, all lay out Jesus' view that God's word is inerrant. Uh, Jesus insisted on Scripture's historical reliability. All right, so he insisted on it being historically true. Matthew chapter 12, verse 40. And Matthew chapter 24, verse 37 and 38. Uh, and Jesus asserted Scripture's scientific accuracy. Mark chapter 13 and Matthew chapter 19, verse 4. All right, so there are uh, six or seven different views of what Jesus um, had for Scripture. All right, so now this is, this is kind of building up. What do you got here? You've got Jesus has affirmed the truth of God's Word. You've got the cross-references we've looked at, that God's Word is inerrant and without error. We've got cross-references in Scripture that shows us that God's uh, very book, 66 books of the Bible are inspired or God-breathed. And so, we know that what we've got here is we've got truth that we can rely on. The world that we're living in right now, there is so much misinformation out there that you cannot figure out what is really true. Well, I can tell you, you can count on one thing to be true, and that is God's Word. So good Bible study students, all right, if you're a good Bible study student or you want to be a good Bible study student, get to know God's Word. It's the plumb line. And so when you have that plumb line, you can then line up all of this other garbage that you're hearing out in the world, align it to Scripture, and know the real truth. That's the reality, is 
everything that's been given in and through us right now to us is hard to figure out what is true. I, I went on a, a, a run I, after I healed from my pneumonia. I started running with my, with my friend again. And um, he, he's not a Christian man, but, I, but he uh, grew up in the Catholic Church. And, and we have a lot of talks about uh, religious things. He asks me questions about the scriptures all the time. His daughter has, uh, had a, has a real hunger to study God's word. Why? Why does she want to study it? She wants to know the truth. She's hearing all kinds of stuff, and she wants to know the truth. So she's digging into it for herself. It's absolutely amazing. She's having conversations with her father, and I, I'm not sure either one are saved, but it's fantastic. This girl has a hunger to study, and she wants to know the truth. She's tired of other people telling her, and she wants to know directly for herself what it says. Get in there and research it. It's amazing. I love giving them resources to study. But we had this question that came up in our in our run a couple weeks ago. And I said, if if you were Jack Dorsey, the the um, Twitter guy, or Mark Zuckerberg, and you knew uh, and you had the, the foresight to look into the future and see what has happened with these two social media platforms and the misinformation and disinformation regarding whatever it is. Trust me, it is not just politics. It's everything from whether vaccines are good or COVID's a hoax or whatever it is. If you want an opinion that fits in your line, look it up on Facebook and you'll find it. And so you can, you can just have your whole mind warped just into your line of thinking and not be open to anything else that's around. All right, so would you have gone, this is the question, uh, would they have not turned the switch on. So if they had not turned the switch on of these two tools, uh, we're talking millions and millions of dollars. These guys are, are, are rich beyond what we could ever imagine. All right? They, all that would go away. But if you knew that all this disinformation, these lies and these false doctrines and these false truths would be out there, would you have have not turned the switch on? Hmm. It's a real uh, moral question, isn't it? It's one that's like, well, you know, maybe, I don't know, if we would have seen that, we might have turned, turned it off or, you know. But we, the reality is that the, the moral decline or the, the decline away from the truth of God's word uh, happened far uh, long before uh, Facebook and Twitter. But Let's just say those things have escalated the, the misinformation of the world that we have today. So here we have um, the Bible. And, and the Bible is the only truth that we can count on. It's the very voice of God in the 66 books of the Bible. The Bible is one plan of redemption. All right, one plan of redemption. And this plan of redemption moves from Genesis chapter 1 to the very end of Revelation. It's one story. It's one plan of salvation. Uh, everything in the Bible surrounds the Redeemer, God as man in Jesus Christ when he lived on earth, and Jesus as our Lord. The whole point of the scriptures is pointing to God's grace to God's mercy, 
the work on the cross, and Jesus being our king. This is it. And, and so what we're going to see here in just a minute, in just a minute, we're, gonna, we're just going to address these final um, uh, passages in chapter 1 of First Peter, or Second Peter, is that um, Jesus was in the scriptures at the very beginning. And so we have this mentality that the Old Testament is not really needed to be studied. If you've ever heard Kay Arthur, she says, if you want to know God, you've got to study the Old Testament. But if you want to, to really see the full picture of the redemption that God is presenting to us through Jesus Christ, you have to study all 66 books of the Bible because it's one story. Jesus is in the beginning. Jesus is there in the us of Genesis 1, 26, Genesis 3, 22, Genesis eleven seven. He's a part of that us. He's a part of that, the Trinity that we we're looking at. Uh, Genesis 1, 1, Elohim, and Psalm uh, 2, 7, and 12. We're all pointing to Jesus. Study, go back and look at Colossians, all right? Colossians podcast. In him and through him, all things were created. We're talking about Jesus. Uh, John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was get with God. How did creation come into existence? By the very voice of God. Jesus was a part of creation. So he's in it from the very beginning. Um, all of those, well, Hebrews chapter 1, 1 and 2, Jesus, man on earth, he is the exact representation of Jesus. And so all of this points to Jesus. He's in the very beginning, and he's there at the very end. So we know that the scriptures are the things that is the thing that we can count on. So before we wrap, all right, here's the question. What's your relationship to this book? All right, you know that it's the truth. You know that it's the voice of God. Are you listening to the things of the world? Are you spending more time in the self-help section of the of the bookstore? Even oh, we can't really go to bookstores right now, but all right, what are you buying on Amazon? You know, what books are you what books are you reading? What are you filling your mind with to to uh, better understand the word of God? Are we looking to authors and individuals or are you looking to the one author who wrote the 66 books of the Bible? Do you really know that this is the truth? That when you have people who begin to present truths that are not solid on the doctrine of the word of God, are you falling for those, those truths because you don't really know the word of God? If your relationship is not great with the Word of God, trust me, this podcast right now, the Holy Spirit should be working in your life and challenging you to get deeper into the Scriptures. This is the application for today, that if you don't have a relationship with God's Word, you better get one, because that's the only truth that you can count on. If you want to hear the voice of God, get into His Word. If you really want to see your life transformed, I promise you, start studying precept studies. Don't just listen to speakers. Get into the word and listen to God's voice for yourself. I promise you, 100% guarantee, God will speak to you through his word. All right? If you've been looking for God to speak to you in some way to find out the direction for your life or whether you should be doing a new job or what you should do in the midst of COVID and you're not in God's word, you're not going to get the answer. Get in God's word, you're going to get the answer. All right, so now... This, this final section of this passage, all right, in, in Peter, why are we only spending a few minutes on it? Because it all fits into the doctrine of the word of God. So 
If my relationship with the word of God is strong, here's what I know. Remember, Peter wants you to remember, 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 remember. And he says here in verse 19, he says, So we have the prophetic word made more sure, to which you do well to pay attention to, as a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning stars arises in your hearts. But know this, uh, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever made by the act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. All right, so what we've got in these uh, three verses, all right, so three verses, you have a contrast between divine and human. All right, so divinity and humanity. Now, here's what Peter's saying in this passage. All right, so first of all, he says, we have the prophetic word made more sure. What is the prophetic word in this case? It is the Old Testament. All right, it is the scriptures. It is the very words of God in the Old Testament. It's not just the prophets, all right? It's not just the Isaiahs and the Ezekiels and the Amoses and the Joels. No, it's the entire Old Testament. Testament. Remember what I said? Jesus, right from the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, 1. Everything is pointing to Jesus. You have the previous section of 1 Peter talking about the qualities of living in Christ. You have make sure that you have or are going to partake in the promises that come. And how do we have all this? We have this by the word of God. This Peter that we're, we're looking at, Peter was the one who, who walked on water. And, and he saw Jesus walking on water. We, he saw Jesus doing all of these miracles. He saw him heal uh, women, blind men. He saw people be brought back to life. He, he saw the transfiguration in which God said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. He saw all of these experiences, all of these things that within his life, and he was walking with Jesus, and all of that was in place. But what Peter is saying is, none of the experience that I had holds greater water than the very word of God. That Peter is elevating God's word above experience. That's huge. That is massive. Because it's like you and I, that God's word should be elevated above any experience we might have. It's God's word, God breathed, God truth. He says it's made more sure. It's better, more sure, more, more to be confident in than any experience we might have. All right, now what does he say? He says, pay attention to it. Pay attention to it as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your heart. Uh, what he's talking about here is he is talking about not just pay attention to it at night and in the morning. Oh, you should do devotions. You should have a nighttime devotion. You should have a morning time devotion. I just read um, Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and Dietrich Bonhoeffer was creating 
uh, a discipleship plan of how Christians should come together. They should go to bed at night and they should pray and they should read the scriptures as a family. They should wake up and do devotions and, and be a part of that because this creates community all surrounding the word of God. Dietrich Bonhoeffer is not wrong in all that. That is absolutely important. But what Peter is saying here is that we should be paying attention to God's word, to God's truth until Jesus Christ returns. This is not simply about having a devotional life of reading it at night and reading it in the morning, but it is making this book your life until the return of Jesus Christ. Do you see now? Is, is the Holy Spirit working in your heart? Is he, is he tugging at you and saying, I don't have that relationship with God's word? I'm not, I'm not in it enough. I should be in it more. Is he doing anything for you right now? Ask him, pray, and seek the Lord, and really get God to show you what your relationship to God's word is. Am I paying close attention to it? Because trust me, there are things in this book that are signs of Jesus Christ's return. Don't you want to know those things? Aren't you eagerly waiting for the return of Jesus Christ? Wouldn't you like to know when? We're never going to figure out the date, but we can certainly look at what Jesus tells us about those times and have an understanding that we need to be ready. He also says in verse 20, but know this, first of all, no prophecy of scripture is man's own interpretation. Basically, simply put this, Man didn't write it by himself, all right? Scripture was not written by man himself and just his ideas and his thoughts and everything that's put down there, but no, it's not that. It's all there because it's men who were moved by the Holy Spirit who spoke from God. This is the same as 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Where did God's word come from? It came from God. And because it came from God, it's more sure. It is way better than any experience. Now, why is this so important for you and I? All right, this is, this is the final take-home, I promise, and then we're going to pray. Why is it more important? Why is God's word more important? Because false teachers come to you with experiences. False teachers will take their experiences and they will align it somehow to a verse. They will say something like, God spoke to me and told me this is the interpretation of the scripture. And when they do that, and they're trying to guide you and direct you and, and lead you astray, they're doing it out of their own desire, their own lusts, their own passions, their, their own sordid gain, and for their own purposes. They are not doing it for the purpose, for example, that Precept Ministries has. We want you to get into God's word so you can know God and have a transformed life. A false teacher wants you to get into to listening to what they've got to say for the simple purposes of they're getting something out of it. Whether it be followers, whether it be money, whatever the case may be, they are going to take God's word, they are going to use their experience to interpret it differently, and therefore they're going to try and lead you astray. That's why Peter is laying this out before he goes into the false teachers in chapter 2. Because God's word, God's truth, in the pages of the 66 books of the Bible, holds more water than experience. And so what does Peter want you to know? He wants you to know that. He wants you to remember 
the truth of the word. He wants you to know the Old Testament. He wants you to know that Jesus was in it from the very beginning, that he was there at creation, that he was there, and he was, pro- he was the promised one who would come and give us salvation for our sins. He is the root of Jesse. He is from the line of David. He is the one who will come back and set up the kingdom. All of these things are going to happen. The promises that God gives us, he doesn't break them. And that is also that line and that message of covenant all the way through scriptures. So in 2021, what can you count on? God's word. You can count on God's word. And so study it. Get to know it. Fall in love with it. I promise you, if you take the steps of observation, interpretation, and application, you will fall in love with God's word and it'll come alive to you in a way that you've never imagined. Pages, words will jump off the pages. You won't be able to put the scripture down. But here's the thing. It's all on you. You've got to take the prodding of the Holy Spirit here and you've got to get into his word. Make it a habit in your life to study scriptures. If you were to even take up the challenge, why not do this? Get that book, Lord, I Want to Know You. Get that book and study it 15 minutes a day for 42 days. And at the end of those 42 days, send me an email at info at preceptministries.ca. What has God shown you in 42 days? How has your life changed in those 42 days? We've got to be digging into God's word. We've got to have a love for it. Why? Because it's God's very voice in those pages. Appreciate the time today, folks. Let me pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity to look at the scriptures. We thank you for, uh, again, this tool. I pray, I pray anyone listening to this that has has wanted to, even as one of those uh, January New Year's resolution things to just, oh, Lord, teach me to study the Bible or get me into the Bible a little bit more. Father, I pray that you would create such a great hunger in the lives of those listening to this that they cannot put God's word down, that they cannot put your scriptures down, that they want to study, 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 and be so encouraged by what they are learning, not for the purposes of head knowledge, but for the purposes of life transformation. Father, I pray that you would continue to bless this ministry, the ministry that we have through unlocking the truth, but also precept around the world, millions of people getting into the scriptures. Why? Because they want to hear from you. They want to know what you have for them and for me in our lives. We want to hang on to the promises that you have in your scripture for your people, for your children, in the midst of the world that is filled with broken promises. We want to hang on to the truth that we have in a world that is filled with so many lies. So Father, help us build that foundation. May we become even hunger and may we, may we bring others into this as well. Those who, who have sort of lingered around the word but never really uh, jumped in and, and studied wholeheartedly. So Father, again, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the work that you do. We thank you for your son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Preset Ministries, head to our website at www.preceptministries.ca. 